Hey guys, welcome to Capsule Production Podcast. Just a couple of things I want to talk to you guys before we get started. Um, I want to thank the people that helped me on my GoFundMe to help keep this podcast going, as well as um, help fund another podcast project that I'm working on. Um, the other podcast project is called Living Room Language, and uh, that, should one, that one should actually be out in August, I'm hoping. And uh, again, I just want to thank the people that donated. So thank you to Tammy, Tara, Jessica, and Christopher. Um, I really appreciate it. Without you guys, I I couldn't make this thing possible. So that was really awesome. Uh, As I was talking about Living Room Language, that is a podcast that I'm hoping to have, uh, like I said, finished in August. And that one's going to be aiming to kind of simplify complicated medical um, ideas and concepts and... um, Kind of just make it easy to understand for everybody. I also wanted to mention that I would love to hear from you guys. So if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, whether it be positive, negative, neutral, whatever, um, I want to hear from you guys. So uh, please reach out, uh, contact us on Facebook at Capsule Production Podcast, or you can email me at CapsuleProduction1 at gmail.com. And I'll try and respond, or uh, if you guys have a request, I'll try and make it happen. So uh, don't be afraid. Reach out. So uh, starting with this episode, I am interviewing Jeff, uh, my good friend and part of the Capsule Production team. He had an outreach trip in Mexico, and uh, he had some pretty cool stories. Uh, He really enjoyed himself and got a lot out of it. So um, I guess without any further ado, please welcome my friends, Jeff Compton. because I had never really done something uh, like that before. I had fundraised, you know, for various clubs and stuff like that before, but um, there was just so few of us and we needed so much money that it was um, more challenging, but definitely, you know, at the same time, really worthwhile. Um, So uh, we set a personal goal for ourselves of about 1500 That's what we said we'd need to uh, buy the meds that we wanted based on experience from past trips. So how many people were fundraising all together, including yourself? Uh, so pharmacy, the pharmacy team was me, two other people from Orlando, and two from Jack. So uh, there was only five of us uh, trying to raise that money all together. Okay, so like 300 bucks a piece. Yep, yeah, okay. that, that was the goal. I got you. Yeah, we're just basically trying to get uh, OTC meds. Uh, if we needed um, uh, prescription medication or like chronic medication, chronic disease medication, we would buy it in country, but uh, you just got to think about the feasibility, all the, um, you know, what you're really going there to achieve, because uh, we're, we're, you know, only there for a week. We only actually have four clinic days, and uh, we're dispensing prescriptions to these people, you know, can you really manage a chronic disease, you know, what can you really help them with? So yeah, sure. uh, that we took into account a lot, so our, we basically targeted... Um, OTC medications so in that manner it was a, a lot easier to get because um, a lot of people might have you know unused OTCs laying around at home or um, 
uh, like for me, I went out personally to an independent pharmacist uh, here in Orlando who um, easily, uh, you know, donated um, almost $1,000 worth Whoa. of OTC medication, you know, just, you know, all I did was ask nicely, you know, but um, <laughs> uh, it, it requires less paperwork and they're just easier to get a hold of. Yeah, that's pretty nice. They just gave you that much uh, money and medications. Yes, it's surprising, you know, how nice people will be when you just tell them, you know, that's for a good cause and uh, just ask nicely. Yeah, you're surprised what you get if you just ask. Um, did you have any issues getting through the airport with this this amount of drugs? I mean, were they kind of like weirded out if you had like a bag full of drugs? You know, we did. Uh, you Actually, we did. Um, so, um, you know, basically, we I, we I suppose we've never figured out a good system of doing it, but basically what we do every year is... Um, um, stick all the meds into um, checked bags. Well, previously, we were sticking them into our own carry-on bags, um, <laughs> which we, we stopped this year. I guess we had enough money to just pay for, uh, uh, it was about three just big uh, suitcases that we were checking in. And basically, every year, we um, carry them past immigration uh, in Mexico and just hope they don't look, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, not that there is, uh, I suppose, uh, laws against it, um, considering that they're just OTC meds and then a lot of stuff a lot of stuff in Mexico is OTC that's that's not OTC here so if anything their laws are much more lenient but you know you just got to consider uh, these that, that kind of thing just doesn't look good uh, at the airport yeah I, I can imagine you know that it probably brings up a lot of red flags like what are these guys doing with you know a whole bag full of pills <laughs> like yeah. what, are they, what else is in there yeah so we had about three uh, check bags uh, just these big suitcases just full to the brim with all this medication. And so we're going past immigration in Mexico. And um, the way it works there is interesting. You basically um, go up to like the security guard or something. Um, after they, you know, you filled out the immigration customs papers, whatever. You give them the forms, they look it through, but they don't look in your bags. Um, and then you get up to this guard and they have, it's like a, a Wheel of Fortune Russian roulette kind of game or something. You basically just push this button and for most, like the majority of the time, um, like a light above you will turn green and if it turns green, you just walk right through and you're in Mexico and you're done. And for certain select people, it'll just turn red and you're the person who gets, you know, the random bag search. <laughs> and um, so we there are three of us each carrying one of these huge bags full of meds the first two of us get through and the third one uh one of our girls uh she gets the red light and so <laughs> it's like legit random selection now yeah going on. yeah exactly and um what like everyone who's gotten she was the last one to go so everyone is all, all all in like another room like looking you know looking at her and they don't let you go back you know so there's nothing we can do we're just staring at her uh, she gets the red light and she has to plop this massive suitcase on the table and they open it up and they just see like, you know, the hundreds and hundreds of boxes of, of OTC medications and these Mexican TSA is just like, what the hell is this, you know? Um, and this poor girl just struggling to explain all of it. Uh, thank God it was one of our classmates who did speak Spanish. It was, she, um, she was at least able to uh, explain it. What we do have, um, our uh, our director, I guess, for the whole um, uh, University of Florida, like global health outreach programs, uh, writes a um, 
a uh, a letter, you know, like an official letter, you know, with official UF letterhead and signs off that we print and bring with us in the case that this does happen. And so she had that with her, and that letter just explains, you know, why we have all that meds, what we're doing, purpose of the trips and stuff, and if they can please let us through, you know. So she busted out the letter, and um, they weren't going to let her through, but um, I guess she talked her way out of it and, and got through because that would have been a big blow to lose, you know, a third of all our meds. <laughs> so, but um, we had a little hiccup there um, when we came into Mexico, but um, we got through fine. Yeah, I actually had a similar experience in Germany. I wasn't there for an outreach trip, but uh, they have the best chocolate over there, so I just brought a backpack full of chocolate to the airport. And, uh, yeah, as soon as I got in, I, I got checked twice. I just patted down, and the third time, uh, yeah, a guy came up and told me to take my backpack off. Yeah. Start taking it apart, and, you know, obviously it's just kind of fishy when you have, you know, so much of one thing in there. But right. obviously I wasn't there for outreach, so it was just personal chocolate. Yeah, yeah and it's just uh, luck of the draw, you know. Um, because in all the previous years we smuggled in meds, you know, you know, tons of meds, no problem. But uh, you never know if you're gonna be the guy that's caught with your chocolate or your meds or whatever it is. Um, so how did you like end up like preparing for the trip? Did you, I mean, did you end up like leaving anything home that you were like irritated about or like anything you couldn't find in Mexico? Or? So um, I would say the two major things I packed were meds, uh, not for the, the trip itself, but just for my personal use and snacks um, because the clinic days are really long and as you can imagine there's tons of patients it's really tough work uh, you don't get breaks and you don't want to take breaks so um, uh, they explained to us that people in the past had you know worked themselves to exhaustion you know without eating or, or drinking water or anything so it was definitely impressed upon us before we went to bring snacks so I bought tons and tons of snacks um, a bunch of cliff bars and stuff, things that wouldn't melt in the heat. Um, you know, like um, granola bars and trail mix and that kind of stuff. Trying to make a little variety. And then meds for my own personal use. Because um, I, I just wanted to be there and be able to perform. You know, no matter, even if I got sick or I was feeling bad. So definitely bought a bunch of little paramide. Um, you know, just because it's Mexico and, you know, there's all that stuff about don't drink the water. But... So, you know, just to be careful, had a bunch of loperamide, anti-diarrheal, um, just in case um, my luck was bad and I did end up with uh, traveler's diarrhea. Yeah, rolling the dice when you eat over there or drink over there from what I hear, so. Yeah, you know, uh, funny enough, um, I rolled the dice immediately after getting there. I think within like four hours of being in country, I had a, a homemade pineapple juice with ice. You know, the worst <laughs> <laughs> the worst possible thing you, you could have, um, but... Um, uh, you know, we just uh, we had a few instances like that throughout the trip, and I I guess we were just lucky enough that um, you know, we didn't develop anything, or maybe it's just not as common as people would think. Um, but on top of that, um, we had a Pepto Bismol. A few of us uh, brought Pepto Bismol. We can um, we know from just from from class and such, you can use it prophylactically to prevent uh, traveler's diarrhea. So for the first few days, I was pretty um. I was pretty adherent to uh, my schedule of taking Pepto uh, every every uh, six hours, so um, I was doing that. I had um, just some other basics like uh, some ibuprofen. I brought some caffeine pills, you know, just because I knew they were gonna be long days. I might get tired, just perk myself up. 
um, some, you know, some Benadryl, just in case, you know, just someone had like an allergic reaction to something. So just basics like that and the snacks. And definitely didn't even use half of it. Uh, number one, because we were so overworked, uh, we never had time to eat. So I, just, I had all these snacks and just didn't have, I was really prepared um, to not, you know, to not have, you know, to be hungry, but I just didn't have time to eat at all. So a lot of the snacks came back with me. A lot of the meds um, came back with me, but it's no, it's no big deal to me, to be honest. Uh, it's better to be safe than sorry. Which was crazy to me. You were mentioning earlier uh, before we started the podcast that uh, you barely got to eat at all during the day just because you saw so many patients. Like how many patients were you seeing on like a daily basis? So we only had a clinic for four days. Um, we saw close to 1,500 pa- patients. It's hard to get an exact number because I think on a couple of days we just stopped counting. There are so many. And even if, you know, and they just keep coming. And even when you're closing down clinic, people are still coming in. And uh, you're still trying to help them. So I think the estimate was close to 1,500. Whoa, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, so, like, what kind of stuff did you see? I mean, as far as the patients go, I mean, what kind of, like, disease states and what kind of ailments and such? Uh, definitely, I'd say the biggest thing was just musculoskeletal stuff. Um, so just idiopathic aches and pains. Um, tons of arthritis, um, which goes along, you know, with this patient population doing a lot of manual labor and, um, um, you gotta remember these people don't have, um, access to healthcare for a lot of them for the towns we went to, uh, nearest doctor or hospital was like an hour or two away. Wow. Yeah. And, um, a lot of them hadn't seen a medical professional in years. Some of them, you know, over 10 years. So, um, a lot of instances on people who had completely undiagnosed, untreated disease states or disease states that had been diagnosed and treated, but um, they had they'd stopped treatment for several years now. Um, so we saw uh, just a lot of those uh, musculoskeletal skeletal stuff. Um, saw a lot of kids, um, um, and the same with them, a lot of like generalized fevers and, uh, you know, upper respiratory infections, stuff like that. Um, we had a, um, a gynecologist with us who um, had her own setup the whole time, so she was referring uh, a lot of UTIs to us, um, a lot of just um, SSTIs, you know, your skin soft tissue infections, we had a few of those, um, and we didn't have um, chronic meds, uh, like, uh, like I mentioned before, just because of the feasibility of putting someone on um, uh, medications for a chronic disease state. So we weren't really screening for chronic disease states and we didn't really have uh, the ability to do so, you know, it's not like we can get blood work. Um, but um, we did see a good amount of hypertension because we, we were taking vitals and we were taking uh, blood glucose and we did see um, a lot of uh, elevated blood sugars. Um, can't tell you how many blood sugars over 500 I saw. Jesus, yeah. 500. Yeah, people who hadn't... Uh, been treated in in years and years so um there was lots of that too i mean uh as far as those patients go did you do any counseling like did you have to talk to them about diet or we we did a lot of counseling um that that portion of the counseling was covered by the uh, the med or the pa students um when they're doing their workup um and it just involved basically uh you know whatever we can get these people to do without uh the medication or 
services that they'd have access to here in the U.S. So it's basically just comes down to lifestyle modification, um, you know, making healthier choices, watching sugar intake, uh, just keeping a healthy diet, um, trying to get exercise. And uh, we reinforced that the best we could, but um, just kind of have to take it with a grain of salt because um, a lot of these people are, are struggling to get by. So asking them to adhere to a strict diet or um, adhere to a, a new exercise regimen, you know, you have kind of have to think about how likely it is that that's going to happen. But it's our duty to tell them that anyway. Yeah, at least uh, give them the information and let them do as they can. Um, so if they did have a chronic condition, I mean, you said you can get some like a pretty exotic stuff and like an OTC medication. So like, could they just go to the pharmacy and uh, pick up like a blood pressure medication or something like that? Yeah, I suppose that's one upside to it. If they could, these people could uh, had access to a pharmacy and had money, um, you know, for for the meds. Um, a lot of stuff is. Um, uh, OTC over there that you would never imagine would be OTC over here. I saw, I I swung by a pharmacy a few times over there and saw everything from SSRIs to uh, ARBs to uh, ACE inhibitors. Saw antipsychotics. I mean, I saw um, controls. Uh, you know, um, you had a Soma, Tramadol, all OTC over there. Definitely not OTC over here. It's crazy to think about it. those kind of drugs just flowing out of the pharmacy as easily, like, as Tylenol or something. I mean, right? were they expensive or were they, I mean, pretty reasonably priced? No, no. I um, I ended up buying a couple bottles of metformin uh, out of my own pocket just to replenish what we had in the clinic. Um, so I got uh, two bottles, 30 count of metformin, 850, cost me about $3 US. Wow, yeah, it's, $3. Uh, it's crazy cheap, but uh, you have to kind of think about um, that's about 60 pesos. You kind of have to think about what 60 pesos means to someone in that kind of situation uh, in regards to the people who we were seeing. So it's cheap for us, but uh, you never know what it's like for someone else. Yeah, yeah I mentioned um, before we started the podcast that uh, you bought a taco over there for like a quarter. So, I mean, you know, as cheap as food is, I guess three bucks is actually quite a bit of money. Yeah, outside of the tourist traps, you can get a a taco or, or something similar for yeah about 25 cents US so um, so you had a little bit of free time so you weren't at the clinic every single day or every single hour um, what kind of stuff were you guys doing for fun there I mean was there a lot of like swimming or sightseeing or what you guys do so the recreational stuff varies by trip I know some of the um, the outreach trips in other countries are really um, work heavy so I don't think there's um much sightseeing involved with those at all. Uh, ours was was um, had a had a had a good deal of, of time for recreation, which uh, we all appreciated. So we flew in on the Saturday, and our first clinic was uh, on Monday. So Sunday we took time to uh, go to one of the Aztec pyramids, uh, oh, wow. Chichen Itza, okay. which was super cool, um, and some of the um, uh, Mexican medical students uh, acted as sort of our tour guides. So that was nice. Uh, after that, we went to um, the cenote nearby, which is basically um, just like a big um, uh, like watering hole. It's like you uh, you see them on YouTube all the time. It looks like a like a huge hole in the ground, like a, a big cave, and there you know there's water at the bottom of it, and you can just uh, jump off and dive right in. The water's like a, sort of like a natural spring. 
Uh, so those were really cool. That's pretty amazing. So you got a little bit of vacation as well as, you know, getting to do some good stuff as far as outreach goes. Yeah, there was a, there was a nice balance. Um, so was there any, like, rough parts of the uh, country you got to go to or you had to go through? Or, I mean, was it all, did you feel pretty safe for the most part? Definitely, yeah, definitely. Um, our hotel was in Merida, and um, the places we went to set up clinic were just... Um, towns um just uh, a couple hours away from Merida and from what was explained to us um Merida and the whole Yucatan Peninsula in general is uh probably one of the safest places in Mexico you can be in um it's totally safe to walk outside at, at night you know not that I do that but you know it's yeah. um <laughs> personally because I you know I just don't live there but from you know the um the university students who I was talking to they explained to me it's perfectly safe and that's something they would do, you know, they don't have any problems going out at night or being on their own and they don't fear for themselves at all. It's, it's definitely a really safe, nice part of Mexico. Um, so how are you received by, um, like the patients and the, the people you're hanging out with? I mean, was it like, they're really, you know, cool to see a American pharmacy student or I mean, were they kind of like cold or standoffish or warm? I mean, what? No, uh, super welcoming and super appreciative from everyone we met. Uh, the students that we met, uh, the uh, medical students over there do a seven-year program, and we were paired with mostly first and second-year students um, who have really n not started learning actual medicine yet. So um, first and second-year students are basically just still in undergrad. Um, so we took it upon ourselves to teach them uh, a lot uh, during clinic, um, kind of, you know, just to pay them back a little because they're working so hard with us and they're translating so you know we thought we'd share some knowledge with them so anytime we were paired with um the um university yucatan students we'd um teach them a little bit about what we know um you know we would teach them about pharmacy the med students would teach them about medicine and you know just try and give them a, a leg up on their future uh, they were super appreciative about that just soaked up everything they uh, we said and um uh, after clinic we would um hang out with them too. Um, so that was, that's kind of like the setup that they've established you know, based off having done this so many years. Uh, we'll all work at clinic today, at clinic during the day. And then at night, they'll take us out to a nice restaurant or something like that, uh, or just somewhere to go dance or have some fun. And um, so that's, we really got to know them and they just really took a great liking to us super appreciative and they absolutely loved us same goes for the patients um i mean these people stand up i mean stood in line you know maybe five six hours just to get some vitamins Whoa. you know <laughs> and um you know when you hand them you know like their 30-day supply of vitamins i mean they couldn't have they couldn't be more happy and they're just shaking your hand and thanking you i mean they're just happy and humble uh for you know for any anything that you can provide them with i remember it was uh on our last day in Merida, um, it was kind of like a somber moment because we were saying bye to all the medical students, and I can't count like how many of them told me, you know, like uh, whenever you come back to Mexico, like you always have a, a place in my home. Wow. And that was super heartfelt, and you can tell they like genuinely meant it. That's so amazing. Like you had such a good rapport, and you know, you made that big of an impact that people are you know welcoming you back into their home. I mean, right. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, so just to kind of wrap this thing up, what, uh, what was your favorite part of the trip? Just, uh, and, you know, first thing that pops to your head that you just really enjoyed. 
Oh, um, as far as the work stuff or the fun stuff? Just anything. I mean, you know, what what did you, you know, what's your most cherished part of that trip? Uh, I, I would say, <laughs> ironically, um, the long, hard-working days. Because uh, I've had, you know, days like that, working back here in the States. And um, the degree to which you, you know, feel tired and, and burnt out is about the same as, you know, hard day of work um, down here. But it's definitely, you know, much more rewarding. Man, that does sound actually, like, pretty rewarding. Um, lots of long hours, though. All right, so um, can you go ahead and um, just tell me about, like, the worst part of the trip? I mean, what, what part didn't you enjoy particularly? Um, nothing really I didn't enjoy. I would say maybe the hardest part was just, um, just the, the constant, uh, just constant work. Um, we would go to clinic. Clinic would be about 8 to 12 hours, and uh, it takes about 2 hours to get there and back. And so we'd start the day at about... Um, 6.30 a.m. to get on the bus, you know, drive down there. So by the time we get back to the hotel, uh, depending on how many patients we saw, a clinic would take, you know, a different amount of time each day. But we get back to the hotel, I'd say around um, anywhere between like 6 to 9 in the evening. And uh, so we haven't really eaten anything all day. Um, we're really tired. Um, and so, and, uh, the Mexican students want to go out with us, you know, um, because there's so many of them. So the ones who want to go out that night were the ones who didn't go to clinics and, you know, they're, they're ready to go, but we've, you know, been, been working hard all day, but, you know, we don't want to, uh, we want to go have fun and we don't want to let them down either. So we're definitely going out. So he's got a whole new group of people wanting to hang out every Ex single night. Exactly. It's just a revolving wow. door of, you know, people <laughs> who want to, want to hang out with us, which isn't a bad thing. Um, so a couple nights it was like had to make a choice between like eating dinner or going out and um say pretty much every night we pick going out <laughs> so we kind of just scrounge up whatever snacks we could get uh go out have some fun come back a little late uh into the hotel get maybe like um three four three four hours of sleep um wake up the next day and do it all over again and it just became like cumulative of you know no sleep um, no food, um, <laughs> and, uh, and just being, and tons of work, and so really, like, wears you down, um, so it's like a really exhausting routine, basically, super exhausting, I, um, I slept for days <laughs> when I, when I got back, because, um, yeah, it, it really takes a lot out of you, but, um, the reward is so much that y you don't really mind at all. Yeah, it seems like a bit of like a, a double-edged sword or something, you know, you, you say it's like really rewarding to be able to do that kind of work, even though it's really hard, but then again, there's exhaustion, I mean, yeah, you're going all day, you know, four days in a row, and then, you know, going to hang out and trying to enjoy yourself a little bit, so. Yeah. Um, well, I guess that's about it, man. I, I really appreciate you sitting down and, you know, just talking to me about your experience there. I think you had a, a really good story to tell, and uh, I thank you guys for listening. I will come back with a, uh, another guest very shortly. And uh, thanks for listening. Big thanks to Jeff for being on my very first episode of Capsule Production Podcast. I really appreciate him uh, helping me feel my way through that first episode. And uh, big thanks to him also for helping me uh, produce all these episodes and being a valuable part of the Capsule Production team. I uh, definitely could not do it without his help. Uh, thanks you got, thank you to you guys for listening. 
As I mentioned before, don't forget to check out our WordPress page at uh, capsuleproduction.wordpress.com. I'll put a link out on Facebook and Twitter as well, but we have lots of great resources for students, uh, even for pharmacists. Um, we got you know a ton of guidelines, and you can even check out our podcast on there. And uh, lastly, I just want to thank Sephiros for providing the music. The song is called Celestial, and you can find it at freestockmusic.com. And I will see you guys next week.